right, welcome everybody to episode number 55 of Collectible Live. Today is Wednesday, December the 7th, 2022, and my name is Jeremy Lee. I would like to thank everyone who joined us last time with our guest, Danny Black. That was a great episode, just hit 1,000 views on the Sport Live YouTube channel. So thanks everybody for tuning in, and if you missed it, you can find it on the YouTube channel. Also note, this Sunday on Collectible Live, Bob Means from eBay will be joining us. You will not want to miss that episode. Let's bring out this week's guests. We have two of them from Collectible. We have Sarah Martin. There she is. And David Marino. Dave should be showing up on the screen momentarily. We'll start with you, Sarah. How are you today? Good. Finally getting caught up from the craziness that was our Basel and Scope. All right, and it's great to have you here with us, Dave Marino, Mr. Elusive, Mr. Busy Mover and Shaker. How are you, man? Seriously, how are you? You've been busy. What's going on? Doing great. I th is this our first real episode? I feel Dave, like I had to. I had to look back into my archives to see if I'd ever had you on any show that I do because I was wondering, do I have his headshot? And I went through. It's like I don't have his headshot, and so as you know, I've been uh, trying to get one. No which, one wants my headshot. Except me. Except me. Fine. Which, which leads me leads me to my opening question tonight. I did receive a picture of the two of you. Looks like you guys are in the boxing ring. And I had to ask, Sarah, does that picture accurately represent your guys' work and relationship? <laughs> I mean, I think the fact that we're smiling while we want to kill each other absolutely represents our working relationship well. Um, How about you? I, no, I, I love David. We work so well together and we're like the yin and yang, but there are definitely moments when we're both stressed that it's like all out battle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what about you, Dave? How do you, how do you feel about that picture we used and does it uh, reflect how you feel about Sarah and the working relationship? <clears throat> uh, I could not be happier with Sarah and our working relationship. Um, I think that picture is more emblematic of, 7 a.m. to midnight every day for 10 days straight than uh, than a working relationship. But, um, you know, Sarah has been a, a good friend uh, prior to her joining Collectible. We're very, very lucky to have her. Um, and uh, I, I, I hope that's not a, uh, a foreshadowing of, of her feelings of me to come through the next, you know, March to Mint Collective, March to National. Um, and just our general core day-to-day -day business. <laughs> no, no, no. We absolutely, like, I mean, at every step of the way where we're all, like, pulling our hair out at a show, right? And then the next second, we're, like, laughing and having breakfast together, and we all miss it now. It's, like, one of those things that just happens when you're working so closely, right? It actually seems a bit more like a sibling relationship than, than anything else, uh, based on what you both said, which is really nice when it is in the work environment, you guys are working together. It's professional, but obviously uh, spending so much time together and on the road, you develop those special sort of, uh, you know, sibling type relationship and the qualities thereof. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's jump in and talk about what's been going on with you guys for the past week or so. Art Basel was in Florida. You were both there. Collectible had a really big presence at Art Basel. So, I want to recap the event, but to kick things off, I want to talk about what I put on what I put on the thumbnail for this episode, which was, you know, are collectibles akin to fine art? And I think it's something that we've seen a lot of a lot of commentary and narrative on over the past several, well, a couple of years anyway, as prices have increased and people, collectors, investors are really starting to appreciate these sports cards and memorabilia for that matter as art pieces, almost this generation's fine art. So listen, you don't have to convince me. I'm a believer. I feel that way. But can can you guys speak to, we'll start with you, Dave, on this. Can you speak to why are sports collectibles and cards maybe specifically akin to fine art? How do you see that? You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I actually, you know, we, we talk about this in Clubhouse a lot. Um, you know, Hoj and I have had this conversation. I think you've been a part of, of some of these conversations. Um, you know, I always go back to, you know, what drives buyer psychology and decision making, right? So, you know, my argument for 
position in sports collectibles and and predominantly sports cards, right? And and we could silo this conversation in a couple different ways, right? We could, you know, touch on, you know, card art design. We could touch on card art technique. We could touch on 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 historic sales figures, et cetera, right? But I think it it, it always comes back to, you know, what is similar between fine art and sports cards, right? Fine art, you know, rarity drives price. Sports cards, rarity drives price. What gravitates, you know, a buyer to a specific item, right? So there's the affinity aspect of it, right? In fine art, it's uh, affinity of a specific piece or the rarity of a specific piece or or the medium used or 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 the subject matter, right? In sports cards, you have, you know, affinity for an athlete, affinity for an era, affinity for a team. So, you know, psychologically, I'd argue very similar, um, you know, and, and, and then you have, you know, the overall collector mindset, right? Um, you know, the, the psychology of a collector is, is very unique, right? Like people have, have, have studied it. it. It's, it's, you know, as easy to understand it is as it is not easy to understand what drives decision-making there. Um, but to not be long-winded, um, you know, I think that psychology comes into, um, you know, play in what we did at our fossil because, you know, just simply opening people's eyes to the fact that they can purchase a sports card for $100,000, $2 million, or $50, right? Like, their understanding, positioning it at our Basel created the understanding that that there is a thought process, there is a, a medium, there is a methodology, there is an artistry to sports collectibles and sports cards. And um, so, yes, I think that it's extremely similar. And and I think that, you know, as sports cards continue to progress down the line, you'll begin to see, uh, you know, similar similar sales and, and, and market movements that you saw in modern art from, you know, the late 90s to early 2000s to, you know, now. Awesome. Uh, Sarah, let's get your take on that. And then I'm going to have a few comments to share if you'd like, you know, and, and based on Sarah, you've been involved in, in cards for quite some time. You were with Upper Deck for several years. We used to run into each other at the Sport Card Expo. And uh, now here, here you are at Collectible. So this is, you're no stranger to sports cards in the collecting world. So What's your view on sports cards as fine art? Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of the points that David said. Obviously, you have rarity. You have, you know, limited number, original pieces, right? The median used. Uh, I also, though, think that, and I actually had this conversation with someone in our gallery space at Scope of, I remember back in my Upper Deck days sitting with our photographers and our designers and going through all of the steps and process that was involved in creating each specific card. And, you know, all of that, there's a, a method and everything. And so who's to say art's subjective? So it's all the same in my mind that whether your median is, you know, a two inch by three inch card or it's a two foot by three foot canvas, um, I think that it absolutely has similarities. And then I think there's also the, the piece of it being an investment, right? You invest in art or you invest in a trading card or a collectible item because of a, a joy or a feeling that you get in that item, right? But then also as potential for an alternative asset at this point, investing in what the future of that will hold. So I think that all of those things tie together perfectly between collectibles, trading cards, and the fine art world. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I agree with your guys' comments. And if I'm thinking about what's the difference between fine art and sports cards, I actually think that, you know, the scales tip in favor of sports cards because along with everything you guys mentioned, like the beauty, the subjectivity of the beauty, the rarity, is the nostalgia that is attached to sports collectibles. I don't know how you could have, now please, I Forgive me if I'm wrong. I don't mean to offend anybody, but I don't know how you could have nostalgia for an art piece unless you like grew up going to visit that art piece at the museum or you, you know, you were an art student or that sort of thing. And the reason I say that is because we grew up in, in North American culture watching sports, watching our sports heroes. And now we collect these pieces that bring us closer to them. Whereas with art, I mean, I didn't grow up going and watching Rembrandt paint in his studio. So I don't have nostalgia for that. To me, that is simply beauty, rarity, and value, where I think sports cards have beauty, rarity, value, nostalgia. 
And that, I believe, is the driving factor in, in their values. Does that make sense? Is there anything you'd like to respond to those comments with, uh, Dave? No, I think you're spot on. I think I think that, you know, the, the interesting, you know, kind of pivot to nostalgia for sports cards is is the the thrill and exhilaration of owning something that somebody can't somebody else can't have in the art world right um and 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 i think that's you know probably one of one of the biggest you know drivers from a from a high net worth perspective right this is rare there's very few of these i want it on my wall because it is a symbol of me making it it's a symbol of 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 my of my success right now i'm not saying everyone's making that decision making that way but but at, at the same time you know you know i i believe that there's definitely nostalgia in art right in, in the art world and and the buying uh, decision making process there you know but at the same time i think you know for sports cards for the 86 Fleer, for instance, to, to touch a million dollars, right? What do you need? You probably need everyone that owns that card to be worth millions of dollars. And for that card to be, you know, you're paying my price because everyone that owns it, it's a status symbol. Now, I don't know if it's worth a million dollars. I'm not saying that, right? But that's, that's really where sports cards need to go. For, for assets like that to really hit those levels. And you see that in the art world, right? You know, if, if a Basquiat collector can't get, you know, one of his top 10 pieces, then you're going to pay up for what you can afford because you want to be in that Basquiat club. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're talking a lot to status, you know, hanging something on your wall to show your status and that you've made it. I think that that exists both for art in the old days before internet, hanging it on your wall, letting everybody in your social circles know you had it. Now on sports cards, it's as easy as three seconds later, you've got to post up on Instagram and everybody knows you own this card and there's there's that as well. Yeah, Dave. But what's cool about the art world, and I was having this conversation with somebody at Basel because they were asking me about, you know, how I would, you know, kind of juxtapose the the psychology and the collecting mentality of, of true collectors in, in sports cards and, and high-end collectors in sports cards versus art. And I think that, you know, you're a hobby purist, right? I think that, that my hobby persona has begun to lean more purist through the relationships I've built and, and, and what, I, what I enjoy about cards, right? In, in art, it's not all about status, right? Just in sports cards, it's not all about status. Everybody has their hobby persona and lane, right? So, you know, you can go to art fairs and support local artists. You can, you know, go to sports card shows and support local dealers and vendors. So I, I, I think that we're talking about the upper echelon of, of the art world when I think that, you know, there are similar parallels between. Uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry. There are similar parallels between art enthusiasts and collectors and and sports card enthusiasts and collectors um, and of, of all different stages. And, of course. And, and All right, good, good. Okay, I'm going to, uh, let's just say hello to a few people we have in the chat. The Loud Collector is here. What's going on? A collector's dream. Uh, Jeremy from Collector's League says Sarah would definitely beat Marino in a, uh, in a boxing ring. Uh, Bobby Burrell says cards are prints as opposed to fine art. More singular pieces, but depends what you define as Fine art, fair comment. Uh, Jeremy says, very excited about Dave exposing trading cards to the Art Basel audience. I think that's a little bit of a limiting. I don't think it was just Dave. I think there we had Sarah there and probably a few others from the team. Uh, Billy Celio, who Sarah would know from her days at Upper Deck, says, Sarah, after Tony, who's your second favorite project manager from your time at Upper Deck? You better say Billy, Sarah. Billy was my number one, not after Tony. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Taco Stocks. Great to see you. LA Collection is here. Uh, Game Time Gallery says, great cards like great art do not require a valuation of a million dollars. You can find great cards and great art for hundreds of dollars. Art Basel caters to everyone, not just the high end. And I don't really know what Art Basel is. I, I've never been. I wasn't able to make it up there. So that's a great point. And Bobby says, on the point regarding nostalgia, it's based on how old you are. Otherwise, no nostalgia timeline for you and Babe Ruth mantle 
Van Gogh. All right. So let's move along to our next topic, which is uh, actually let's stay on. Dave, you took us into talking about our Basel. Let's keep talking about what was collectibles involvement at our Basel. Um, the scope set up, Sarah, which was a tent you guys had set up on the beach. Speak to speak to scope, but please speak to what you got, what collectible was doing there in the first place. Am I taking that or is David? Not David, you, this Sarah. is your, your baby. Oh. All right. Back to Dave then. <laughs> um, all right. So Art Basel kind of, I'm going to be long-winded again, but um, you know, this is, this is, this Maybe is, I should have taken it. <laughs> I hope we have two hours. Um, we don't. <laughs> so, so, you know, frankly, I, I always gravitated towards card art when when I was in my first iteration of my collector journey. Um, and then I got back into it, you know, when I when I joined Collectible and, and actually Christina uh, from Card Ladder was the one that really like kind of focused me in when we were working on Mint Collective on on different, you know, uh, designs and differences in designs, et cetera. And, and, and she, she famously said this is her lane and definitely is her lane. Um, but so we did our puzzle last year because we wanted to focus on, you know, sports collectibles as, as, you know, an asset class in the same vein as fine art. Right. And, and, you know, the, the person who made the comment that there are different, all types of all different types of art at Basel is correct. Right. And we showcased all different types of cards last year and this year. Um, but um, this year, this was a collaboration between eBay and Collectible. Uh, you know, Celine from eBay uh, really, really championed this event. Um, you know, we had the idea of, of joining forces to, you know, essentially make the statement that, you know, what we do, again, is in the same vein as fine art. And, and we can, you know, show, you know, everything from, you know, Don Mattingly hot gloves you know, 8.5s as an example of Gene Arena and Arena Designs artistry uh, to a PSA 8 Mickey Mantle uh, center under the tented scope uh, for everyone to ooh and ah it. So to me, this is a, a, a journey of love of cards and also um, art. So Sarah, what was the, you so under the, under the tent at scope, and I, I don't even, I guess scope is a, a part of Art Basel. Is that right, Sarah? Yeah. So Art Basel is kind of the overarching, it's like Kleenex, right? And tissues. Like everyone calls it Art Basel, but it's Miami Art Week. And Art Basel is one uh, set up there, right? So at the convention center, you have Art Basel specific, uh, and then you have other tents and other activations around. So Scope is another one of those setups. So they erect a huge tent on the sand at 8th and Ocean in Miami. And I can only imagine the production that goes into that <laughs> leading up to it. Um, but there was probably, what, 300 gallery spaces in there, David, I would say. And so varying sizes, all different mediums. Um, and it was amazing. And so we had a setup there where we did a collaboration and kind of as part of our partnership with eBay and the fact that we are going to be vaulting over $5 million with eBay. So we had a bunch of those assets on display at Scope. Um, and so curated this display there specifically. And it was interesting though, because even with working with Scope, initially we had to kind of explain to them the same conversation that we're having of how does this relate to what they do and what they've done, right? Um, and then by the end of it, I had the same, a conversation with the same, you know, curator that we had to speak with in the beginning and she totally got it. And she was happy for us to come back a second year if we so choose. So it was really like a nice transition, I think. And what was the vibe like at the collectible uh, and eBay tent at Scope? Like how many people were in there? Were they excited? What was the response from the, the art enthusiast upon seeing the sports cards? I think it was honestly what I kept hearing over and over again is no one expected something like that when they turned to the corner and we're so happy to see it. Uh, so I think overall a very positive reception. 
Um, it was very interesting because there was absolutely people who questioned it, right? Of well, this isn't art. They would walk in with their friends, right? And and this isn't art. And why is this here? And then we would just kind of let them do their thing, right? And walk around the space and see everything. And they'd have this dialogue and it happened again and again. And where they would, as they communicated with each other, they would actually convince themselves over with no interference from us whatsoever, right? That, oh, wait, this is art. And they would have that kind of realization. And it was, I think for us, it was really enjoyable to see that, you know, we didn't have to explain it. Once they were in the space, they understood it. Do you think that by being there and and being at the the installations and talking to the attendees, do you think, and this goes to, to both of you, do you think that you were able to recruit any new sports card collectors, investors, or, or like, was the mission successful? Sarah, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I, 100%. I think that, you know, there's obviously speculation of going outside of the hobby or being in the art space and how does this correlate? And realistically though, what people realized was just that, that it is art just because it's this small canvas doesn't mean that it's any less valuable as a piece of art and, or as an alternative asset investment. Um, so we absolutely, there was a lot of people that I don't think expected to be wanting to collect, you know, trading cards that were in that space that, are now following everything that we do. We've had multiple people reach out, people that want to work with us from the art world and think it's great. So I think that the it absolutely was a great reception. How about you, Dave? Did you convert anybody into uh, you know staying up late with you and busting open soccer cards? Of course they did. <laughs> <laughs> is it even a question, Jeremy? <laughs> I, I, I did, and thank you to uh, Mark from AA Mint for providing all of my cards for that week. Um, I got a lot of, a, a little bit of uh, wax relaxation. Uh, anyway, yeah, listen, I think, I think, you know, the, the whole process was, it was, you know, there's a lot of, 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 of testing, you know, getting to the point where we, we got the exhibit done. Um, you know, Corey from Show Your Slabs and I, you know, really like, worked to figure out like how do we display the cards how do you how do you you know really showcase them in from a from a gallerist uh, perspective um and people you know really reson re gravitated towards it i think it resonated with people um the mantle was definitely you know a hit but people really went after our consignment pieces you know people were asking to buy the tuas the herberts the some of the other, I mean, the Serena Williams card was was sought after. The Floyd Mayweather card was sought after. Uh, Josh Dawson gave us uh, uh, a Mike Trout rookie card to 25 that people gravitated towards. So there was definitely that like pop and nostalgia in their eyes and, and uh, you know, excitement when they realized that, you know, this was kind of cool. You mentioned the Floyd Mayweather card. I mean, that is, to my, my, my opinion, it's not the prettiest card, but it's the Floyd Mayweather rookie card were people that were coming by and engaging with you and, and looking at the cards were they more interested in just like what's this worth or were they actually looking and saying this design is awesome this represent the this represents the way these these artists or these photographers were thinking and working in the in the 50s the 60s the, the 2000s whatever it was to summarize the question what was the what was the primary interest of the art enthusiast towards the sports collectibles, Dave? Hi, it was high, and and this is a word that Sarah and I are sick of hearing. But you know, there 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 are very high curatorial expectations um, when when you're exhibiting uh, during Miami Art Week, and I think that there was a little bit of apprehension. Uh, for us to do this exhibit and for us to present what we do and in and, and our industry and our hobby at all. And, um, you know, I think the, the key takeaway, we, we began to realize day two, day three, especially from the, the people that, you know, curated Scope, is that there was excitement. People were really, really happy, enjoyed it. People, we had more people at our booth than most booths. We had more people stay longer at our booth than most booths. Um, people actually treated it as if they were walking through a little museum. Um, that was was really, really um, validating. 
to, to, to me and I, I noticed to Lynn and, and, and to Sarah, um, you know, we were not expecting the response that we received. You know, we were expecting a lot of why are you here? And we got, you know, mostly, wow, this is cool. That's a, I mean, everything you just said to me is such a great sign that we have growth upon us in this hobby. Uh, and that that's a wonderful thing. Okay, going to go to a few comments and then we're going to talk about some of the events that you guys, uh, the collectible organized at Art Basel. Um, and I, I, I guess before I get to that, I want to talk about the Thursday night. You guys had a high-end collector's dinner and then Friday was a cocktail event. Sarah, are you going to be the one to speak to those? I mean, or is it going to be Dave? Or is it, that either? was a full collaboration with uh, both right. David and I, so I think we both can. Okay, we'll start with you. But first of all, Jeff McMahon is here. What's going on, Jeff? Jeremy says we need uncut sheets on display at our at the Art Basel. That makes sense to me. Collector's Dream says last year was there was a banana taped to uh, to the wall at Art Basel. Therefore, cards are art. We've got <laughs> baseball card curmudgeon here. What's going on? Bradley Crenshaw says, Marino is a stud and Sarah is amazing. Y'all keep killing it. That's very nice. Game Time Gallery says, art collectors and card collectors have similar mindsets. You see something, it speaks to you, and you got to have it. That's exactly how right. That's exactly how it is, right? Well said, Game Time Gallery. <laughs> okay. And uh, let, let's move on to the events now. And let's what, talk. What was that last I know. Comment? You can't do that and not say what the comment was. Anthony LeClaire said, I would prefer Lauren Harris over some dirty sports card. I don't know what that's in reference to. So I uh, just, okay. Well, thank you, Anthony LeClaire. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah. Sometimes people Not like to try and make us laugh in the comments and it often can work. So, but let's, let's talk about the events that you guys organized because I think it's important to point out that one of the, one of collectible strategies is to become a leader in live events within the hobby space and following along that that mission i mean you guys you guys walk the walk you talk the talk you talk the talk you walk the walk you organize a couple of events and i just want to hear a little bit about them thursday night high-end collectors dinner and panel what was going on with uh what was going on speak to that a little bit and uh dave you want to speak to that sure and and, and correction i think you know we definitely throw great events but I think, you know, we've proven time and time again, and, and I credit Ezra and, and all of our partners uh, for this. We do things in the hobby and outside of the hobby to build community and bring people into the hobby and to better the hobby. Um, you know, we, we've done it with Mint Collective. You know, we're going to continue to do it with our events and, and supporting shows. We're, we're doing it, you know, at Mint coming up. We're definitely doing it at Culture Collision. Um, you know, those are my two Q1 targets. But... Um, you know, I think connectivity is extremely important. It's one of the greatest parts of this industry and this hobby. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely proud to continue to build those points. Um, but uh, Thursday night. So so the idea behind Thursday night was really to, to focus on showcasing collectible and the eBay vault, you know, to, to give, you know, high-end collectors, our team, um, you know, some local collectors in Miami, you know, an understanding of, of what eBay's goals are, what they're trying to do, what they're bringing to the community, what they're bringing to the hobby. Uh, you know, similarly, what collectibles future is, what we're bringing to the hobby, um, how we're going to continue to try and grow the community. Um, and we can touch on ways that we do do that um, later on. But um, we had... You know, a really, really beautiful setting. We we had Mr. Chow in the heart of South Beach uh, on the patio um, for about 45 guests and uh, an, a really, really great panel with with Ezra and Ski and and Bob. And, you know, I think overall, this is something that, you know, hasn't really been done. This was kind of a, a step above the dinners that we've hosted at National. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very excited to continue to to host these dinners with Sarah, because I think, you know, uh, across all aspects of the hobby, um, you know, interpersonal meetups, larger meetups, cocktails, networking events, like this is where relationships are formed. Definitely, definitely. Um, can you speak a little bit to the panel itself in terms of, you know, usually when you sit on a, on a panel, 
you're looking for a couple nuggets of information that really resonate with you. Can either of you, and this I'm putting you on the spot here, but do either of you recall there being any real nuggets of, of information that maybe you hadn't contemplated before that, uh, again, that resonated with you that you'd share with the audience here today? Sarah? That's where I get to start. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I think it was cool for me personally to see you know, the interaction between Ski and Ezra and Bob, because they all come from very different aspects of trading cards, right? You know, and, but to see these different types of people come together, all based on the fact that there's this love and passion towards trading cards. And so I think that that was really neat. And some of the the stories of how they got into it and where they see the the industry going and the fact that, you know, as we go forward, you have eBay making such a an effort to make sure that they're doing everything that they can to support the hobby. And, you know, that's what works with us and eBay, right, is we're all trying to expand the reach of the hobby and how people can interact with that. And, and that was kind of really cool to see them go through that in a little bit more detail and talk about the future of the space and not just where we've been but kind of how we got there and then where we're all going. Yeah, that's awesome. And just so everybody knows, you mentioned that, you know, what eBay's, what they're doing, what their plans are. Bob Means, who heads up collectibles on eBay, will be our guest on this show on Sunday, like four days from now. So we will get the eBay side of things as well as, you know, why they were at Art Basel, why they partnered with Collectible, what they've, what they learned in 2022 and what they're doing in 2023 as we move forward. Dave, anything that came off the panel uh, from Thursday night that you were really, uh, that, that, you know, again, that maybe gave you cause to think about something you'd never thought about before? Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to let Bob speak to the points that Bob made on, on the panel. But I, but I think that, that some of the key takeaways, like, I, I haven't really thought about, you know, the, the potential sales velocity and, and, you know, the authentication processes and, and, you know, truly, you know, ways that eBay is putting, you know, new structures in place to make the selling process and transfer process on their platform more seamless. Um, you know, I think, I think that, you know, just like anything, you know, there's, there's a learning curve and, and an adjustment and, and a, you know, sense of, of comfortability that, that needs to be, um, kind of accepted, I guess is the best way to put it. But, but from a collector's perspective, you know, I, I definitely, I, I don't want to give away too much, but I, I definitely think that there's a lot of higher level thinking in this process that is going to benefit collectors from a seller's perspective and a buyer's protection perspective down the road. And, okay, and I'll well. leave it at that. Yeah, it's a nice teaser for, for Sunday's episode with Bob. Let's talk a bit about Friday night. You guys held a cocktail event. Uh, I saw some pictures that was, were on the, uh, you know, the, the social accounts from Collectible uh, on Instagram and that. And uh, it looked like a great party. Can you guys just talk a little about what the vibe was like there? And did you find that by hosting, you're both, you're both giggling. I don't know why, but I'm sure you could share. But can you just speak a little bit to like, was hosting the event did it produce the result you wanted to what 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 was the the maybe what was the goal of the of the cocktail night on friday and uh and did it meet your expectations the wind met our expectations yeah the wind really blew it out of the park for us on that one literally so, literally. <laughs> so uh we we had i think 55 mile power per hour gusts at one point that was that was uh blowing away all of our production um, the event was outside. Sorry to preface for people who don't know. The event was entirely outside with no backup option of cover. So we set up in a, a hurricane style wind situation. <laughs> so did it did it meet like what was the mission of the event and did it meet the expectations? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so th this is the second year we've hosted the event at the W South Beach. Um, last year, I believe we had about 200 plus guests. This year we had over 350 um, it was a great crowd. It was a great scene. It was, you know, a, a lot of the same that we saw at Miami Art Week. It was, you know, mostly, you know, people outside of the hobby, outside of the, the collector sphere. Um, and they 
came and, and, and kind of learned what we do. They learned about us. They learned about collectors. They learned about, you know, why we covet these assets. They got to see some incredible assets uh, firsthand from, from some private collections that, that we were lucky to exhibit, um, you know, including a 52 Bowman 10 mantle, uh, which, was, which was pretty insane. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that, that it was, it was definitely well-received and, and a home run not to. Any comments to add on to that, Sarah? No, I think that, I think that Dave hit it on that one. I mean, we were just very happy to see how many people came that weren't just collectors that were going into it, right. That would, the, the, the reach and the stretch in that scene that is so different from what we typically are used to, I guess, and in the hobby and to have people be so excited to be there and to have such a positive experience and such a positive, you know, outcome and, and walking away with just great, great conversations, people stopping us and just saying how, you know, they had never thought of things this way, but they were so happy to see us there and in the space. And I really think that we have a lot of people who never looked at collectibles the way that they will now. Well, I'm grateful for what you guys did for that reason right there, Sarah. I mean, you're helping to to grow the pie. It's one thing I love about Collectible. You guys are so inclusive and you're really trying to grow the space. And uh, as a lifelong collector, uh, a passionate hobbyist, I think you guys are on the right track. And, uh, you know, with the outreach and everything you're doing, I think it's great. So thank you. And I hope you guys do keep it up. Um Final question on our Basel. We're gonna, we'll, we'll go to you first on this one, Dave. We've recapped the event now. Um, what did you learn there or see there that proved to you? Well, like, and again, what, what's new? It's not something you went in there knowing. What did you learn? What proof did you see there that sports collectibles are, in fact, akin to fine art? I mean, it, it goes back to, you know, nostalgia and affinity. Right. I think to Sarah's point earlier and, and, and somebody in the chat, you know, kind of said this well um, also, I think that people were trying to convince themselves that they hated it. Right. And they're standing there and they're saying this is an art. And then they're like, well, maybe it is. Uh, but, well, this is. And then they're just talking themselves into, wow, this this is art. Right. Like the subjectivity of it matters. And then, you know, listen. Perfect example, Andy Friedman, right? If I needed to explain to somebody why this is a two by three canvas and this is a beautiful piece of art, they understood it, right? But for instance, here's a, sorry, give me a second. <laughs> but it was also easy to explain why a soul of the game arena design card is a piece of art. And, and when, I, when I began to speak to, or, you know, a Cordell Stewart, right? Accelerators. Like, at the end of the day, like, people understood it. And when you explain to them, you know, that, that Arena Design, or like, Gene Arena is an artist. Earl is an artist, right? These, these, are, these are professional designers. And they took sports cards and took them from paper photos and you know, metalize them, right? Emboss them, started to play with the medium, added refractor elements, started to transform the cards and transform the pictures in a way that created individual expressions and ideas of, of what they were thinking and who these players are and what, what they represent. Like people like got it, right? And honestly, like to me, the coolest thing was, and by the way, thank you very much to Beckett we and it's a seven five. I don't. I actually don't mind the white label, but they they pedigreed the cards. Art of cards. Art Basel twenty twenty two. I don't know if you could see it, but I'll add it to my Instagram later. But you know, people gravitating towards. I had uh, the Patrick uh, the Patrick Ewing Fleer medal with the World Trade Center behind it, and he's dunking. We had the the Don Mattingly hot gloves. We had the Drew Brees soul of the game. We had you know all of these different cards that we'd rotate through they understood the, the artistic elements of those cards and, and they didn't care about the value. I mean, sure, like we're using graded nine, nine and 7.5 examples, like they're not valuable and they loved it. That was awesome. 
Yeah, you, you keep point. You keep uh, referencing uh, Gene and Earl from Arena Design, and they they really pioneered what I refer. And I might be the only person who refers to it this way, but I refer to the second half of the '90s in the sports card market as the creative era, and they really pioneered and kicked that off. And nice to know that uh, it's actually Jean McLeod is her name. She's actually uh, Jean working, yes. with, working with Upper Deck right now on some sets over there. Uh, Sarah's old stomping ground. So that's going and, and tragically and unfortunately, uh, uh, Earl, her husband passed away earlier this year. But so the, you know, they, the, the art lives on in, in sports cards through Jean and in all of us as collectors, not all of us, but many of us collectors really coveting those cards that they, that they pioneered in that second half of the nineties designs of which you just showed several. So really good stuff. Anything, uh, Sarah, that, uh, that kind of hit home with you there. Uh, I mean, I think that like, like David was saying that it was just, we kind of went into it as a learning experience. We, I don't think we went into it with high expectations, right? We had desired outcomes. We had things that we thought would, would cross over that people would be able to recognize but I think that we were all so pleasantly surprised so early in the week about how well received everything was and how much people engaged with the space and with us and with eBay. And I think it was really able to kind of shift a lot of perspectives. And I think that by the end of the week, we had people telling us that, oh, yeah, I'd been at Basel or I had been over here and I had friends who saw this and told me I had to come see this space. I don't know how many other, you know, people, unless you're a known artist that someone follows and already collected, right? We're getting that type of, you know, reception and that people had when they walked into the space. So I think that for us, although, you know, yes, we had things we wanted, I think we got more than we could have ever imagined out of it. And I think that on a go forward, it just becomes an even bigger, you know, experience next year if we go and do it again right of how we curate and what based on what people were really were enjoying or you know different different things and different pieces so i think that it was just it was very very pleasant surprise for all of us great yeah. news all around okay we're I mean, jeremy go sorry i just want to add yeah gene came to basel with us yeah oh gene gene well, gene so flew down and 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 joined us and you know Again, going back to it, but Christina really put together the Art of Cards panel at Mint Collective. That was, you know, a major focus of, of hers. And, you know, I probably geeked out way too hard uh, on the original call with, with Jean um, and, and having her at, at Basel. And, and, you know, it was, it was awesome. Like, she, I think she really enjoyed it. And uh, right. it, was, it, was, it was really nice to pay homage to Earl. Um, you know, this year. So that's really nice. Jean is such a lovely lady. I, I uh, always enjoy seeing her and uh, she's a beauty. Is that the Montreal? Is that Montreal? Uh-huh. Beauties <laughs> in Montreal. Very uh -huh. nice. Very nice. All right, guys. Um, let's go to some quick comments here. Game, Game Time Gallery very respectfully informs me that Lauren Harris is a great Canadian painter. Thank you, Game Time yeah. Gallery. Uh, Eric says that art is in the eyes of the beholder and my eyes say that sports cards are art, especially vintage cards. And those are like my feelings exactly with like the caveat that, as I said, that second half of the nineties, the art really evolved, uh, based on Gene and Earl and their designs. Uh, Jeremy says we need some collectible events in Dallas. And as we speak, you're showing a, a card art piece by Luke the uh, Luke the Cardist, who's my one favorite, of, one of my favorites as well. Dr. says the eBay standard envelope is the most revolutionary advancements in the hobby in the last two years. JG says sports world meets art world, always interesting interaction. That's pretty cool. Dr. would uh, buy fractional shares of the Mona Lisa. So would I. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> They could sell a lot of those. A collector's dream says it's great to hear that so many people like the cards. I think that I, I feel the same way. Ben Diamond, I mean, this is a nice comment. Sport in general is art. The artistry, the movement, the skill, the hand-eye coordination, all these things. Even the design of the games themselves. Do you ever think to yourself, like, there must be an, a sport that has not yet been invented that could be as popular as some of the sport? Like, you hear about 
pickleball all the time. I think it's called pickleball all the time right now. You know, is that one of these? Although it seems a lot like tennis to me, but still. We saw soccer table tennis being played on every beach in Miami. Yes, it's like a huge thing down there. Yeah, it's wild. Pretty cool. Uh, Collector's Dream wants to know, what was the best card on display, Dave? Uh, Best card value-wise was the... uh, was probably the exhibit Lou Gehrig autographed rookie card. Um, then number two to that would be the Mantle PSA 8, 52. Um, but that's but, solely based on value. Yeah. I think that as we've realized, if we didn't already know it going in, art and cards, right, it's all perspective and it's all up to opinion. So what one person thought was the best card on display isn't necessarily the one that had the highest value. I'd say, I'd, back, back. I'd say most people gravitated towards the Serena NetPro really? um, after, after those or to the Gene uh, McLeod exhibit, Arena Design exhibit. Well, you know, very, uh, very astute comment. Ben Diamond says, no one should be the judge of what is or isn't art. If cards speak to you, it is valid as art. I, I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, JP Brabant says here, um, just wondering, is the card itself art or is it a facsimile of the original artwork, much like a print of an artist's work? So, much, hold on, right there. Much like a print of an artist's work. And I think that's a great comment. Bobby Burrell alluded to this a little bit earlier. And I think that just like, just like art, when we talk about fine art, and I don't, I do not understand the world of art. So my perception is that fine art is, art you've got original art which is the original the original painting where the artist held the paintbrush and put put the you know the 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 paint on the on the canvas that sort of thing that to me would be the original card design and then you have the prints that come off it so i definitely think that that the cards that we could buy in packs with gum in the 40s 50s 60s 70s 80s those are like the prints of the originals and but because they are several of them are so rare they become art, even though they're not original art. And they are they are artifacts. They are mementos. They are remnants of the past that show you. And we're all allowed to own a piece of them. So, or at least a, we're allowed to own a piece of some of them through the collectible uh, platform. Or we're allowed to we're able to go buy a card and put it in our in our collection and enjoy it ourselves. As a to me, that is still art. It's just not the original one, the original copy. Does that make sense to you guys? Who wants to take that first, Dave? Yeah, yeah for sure. And, but, you know, it, it, it's funny because one of the things that we were talking about mostly, you know, with the with the 52 Mantle is that was a painted piece, right? So yeah. so it's a reprint of a painted piece. So it's, it, it's essentially a print. Yeah. Right. And And, and to me, I think you know, again, going back to somebody else's comment about our Basel, there's there's so many different collectors, vendors, artists, like the world's your oyster when you're at Basel um, or Miami Art Week or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I can't afford, when I was putting together the, the arena design exhibit, we couldn't afford, I couldn't afford most of the cards I wanted to buy for it. So the, the Cordell Stewarts of the world were just as beautiful to me Right. As as a PMG that I couldn't afford to put in there. So, you know, I think we I think we did a Kerry Kittles uh, Dunkin' Go Nuts. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So. So but there's, there's something to be said for not them not all being Michael Jordan's and Ken Griffey Jr.'s and uh, Jerry Rice and actually having some of these cards that people can look at and say, oh, I can actually afford that. Sarah, you were going to jump in. Yeah, well, I think that if all of them were the same, right, if every card was a Michael Jordan and Jerry Rice or whatever, then you don't have value in that either, because then it's not rare. So then you would diminish your value on that. But then I also think that art needs to be like trading cards or any other collectible, right? It needs to be accessible. And I think that, you know, everyone has a different price threshold. Everyone has a different thing that they can do. And so I think that that's what's great about trading cards. I think that's what's great about Prince of Art is that it gives you an access point. And I think that that's, you know, what's great about collectible, right, is we give you an access point if you do want to invest in something that's higher end. Or what's great about eBay. And one of the reasons that we work so well with eBay in partnership is they get you access to things that you might not otherwise have access to. And so I think that that's really what it comes down to. And that's what, for me, at least the biggest takeaway was from 
Miami Art Week and from everything that we did there is it's realistically, in my mind, it's all about accessibility at the point of where someone can get access. Yeah, well said, well said, Dave. And, and I think, you know, there's just, I, as we're talking about this, I, I am constantly drawing parallels back between sports cards and, and, and the art world in a form and function standpoint, right? Like, like to me, you know, my, my cant is, 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 is a gallery, right? Like dealers are, are essentially like our gallerists, right? PWCC, Golden, eBay, Leland's, you know, REA, whatever. These are all our auction houses, you know, like, like, like the methodology of, of transacting is, is extremely similar. And then when you're a purist or you're an enthusiast or, you know, you, you just want to enjoy your passion, you know, art fairs or card shows, right? So it's just, there's just so many different ways that, that there's, you know, an intersectionality here that, you know, I, I think that sure, you know, if you really truly want to make the argument that sports cards aren't art and there's no correlation and blah, 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 you're going to figure out a way to make that argument. Or, or you could just be the lover of what we love and say, you know what, point proven, I'm willing to accept this. And I hope, I hope that the card world gets to the trajectory of the art world. And interesting point, and I always go back to this masterworks thing, but I think it's really important. And I was trying to pull it up in a can, and I know we're running out of time, so I'll make it quick. But modern art, it was that first $10 million piece, $10 million sale. It's the first $10 million sale that just hyperbolically moved the market, right? We just had our first $10 million sale. We just hit that threshold, right? I think that there are pieces out there that are, are going to exceed that. Obviously, Marshall Fogle and, and Ken Kendrick's, you know, 52s and, and whatever. But my point is, I think that, you know, with the right love, with the right care, with the right, you know, thesis moving forward, you know, we can work off of these parallels and, and grow the industry however we want to. If you want to be transactional, let's follow the art model. If you want to be an enthusiast, we have card shows. We could follow the art fair model. So I just think I think it's really interesting, you know, how, how to look at both worlds. And and I, I really love the idea of using the art world as our North Star of how to get that velocity and 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 build up the asset class, because it truly is an asset class, whether we're purists or not. Right. These have cash value. Yeah, for right? sure. Let, let me ask this. Let me ask this question. Um, who, what is the, what is the more likely outcome? Art collectors become card collectors or card collectors become art collectors. Sarah, what do you think from your takeaways from the show and talking to people there? I think that art collectors become card collectors. How about you, Dave? Same, same answer. Or? I think art collectors become card collectors, but I'll caveat. There was an insane gravitation towards game worn. So, so I think I think the uniqueness of game worn resonates in a in a certain way with art collectors as well. So, I I, I know for a fact at the upper echelon of of the art world, I think it's very easy to to convert art collectors, high end art collectors, to high end card collectors. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's switch it up now. As you you mentioned, we are we have about five minutes left. One of the topics that I wanted to talk about, you, you've mentioned a lot about eBay, and this is a collaboration with eBay. So let's just talk about Collectibles relationship with eBay. Why did it happen? Please shed some light on set, shed some light on the reason, you know, why did eBay and Collectible decide to team up and collaborate and, and become partners in this initiative, and I'm sure others to come. And who's better to answer that one, Dave? So so I think, you know, frankly, it, it really started in the lead up to national uh, post mint. Um, you know, Ezra and I built a relationship with, with Celine and Jeff Juco. And, you know, no, we, hold, we on were, a sec, hold on a second, Dave. I just, want, I just want to clarify. So national is this national sports collectors convention that happened in Atlantic City back in July. Right. Mint was the Mint Collective that Sorry. happened in Las Vegas, which was an industry event as well. And, and, and Ezra is the CEO of Collectible. With that said, Dave, please continue. Great. Jeremy fluently speaks Marino. So thank you for <laughs> translating. Um, I, either way, I, I, I think the partnership was born on, on similarities and, and, and just genuine like of, of each other. 
right? You know, we had great dinners. You know, we, we view the world in a similar way. You know, I, I was, you know, always apprehensive given the stories that you hear and both, these couldn't be the nice, nicer people, right? Like, so to me, it was, all right, eBay's checking boxes. They care about the collecting community. They care about collectors. They care about the hobby. They're the central place where everyone transacts, right? This is a partnership that we're going to grow. They took a massive shot on us at Mint, AKA the Mint Collective. And they were our presenting sponsor off of an idea. And frankly, I, I, I couldn't be more excited for this partnership. Awesome. Well, great to hear. Sarah, anything you'd like to add to that? I mean, you spent time with some of the folks from eBay down in Miami here this past week. So anything that, that came out of that, that even if you want to speak to how you see the future of this relationship moving forward and the collaborative nature of it, anything to that? Uh, well, they're wonderful. I am so happy. I couldn't think of another group of people. I mean, especially Celine, but everyone on the team that I would be happy to spend another eight days, 20 hour days with, to be completely honest. Um, and so it was great though. And I think that, you know, like David mentioned, we have a lot of synergies between how they view the trading card industry and how we as collectible view the trading card industry. And, you know, realistically, we have a lot of similar goals out of that, right? That we want to expand the community as much as possible and do what's best for the community and the hobby and to get accessibility as best as we can. And so I think that the future, you know, we already have some chats and some things in the works, and I think that they're going to be really great. And I think that they're going to be great for the, the industry as a whole. So Good I'm really excited to continue yeah. with them. Well, that's good. It sounds like the two brands are, are, are pretty aligned to grow the industry, create awareness and uh, and move forward in that manner. I think that's great. A couple of comments. Game Time Gallery says here, the card collectors have a hard time getting past the two and a half by three and a half inch format. So converting them to art, uh, being paintings, sculptures, et cetera, would be difficult. And I have to I have to say, I, I'm with Game Time on this. I like my cards to be two and a half by three and a half inches in shape. <laughs> Unless it's an older card, you know, the old, the odd tall boy or a small tobacco card, what, what have you there. But I hear what, what Game Time Gallery is saying there. And then Chris Ellis asked this question, which I'll pose to you guys. If either of you had any sort of supply demand discussions at Art Basel with any of the art people, what did the print runs come up? The one of one, the out of 25s, the out of 100s, that rarity. Was that something that was really interesting to the attendees who came by the collectible slash eBay installations? Dave, you want to jump in? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, the idea of rarity and artificial rarity really resonated with the art collectors and, and, and they, I, they immediately understood it. They liked it. You know, it's, it's a key differentiator. And uh, I think that that would be something that, that would, would get people over the line. It's an easily understandable uh, way to define your asset versus another. And, and that's important, especially in the art world where authentication is, is paramount. And rarity for sure. Sarah, any, any uh, specific conversations come to mind that you had, or just, you want to sort of echo what, what Dave said at all? Yeah, no, I mean, I completely echo what David said. I think that people it's, it's the same language that we use to speak about trading cards and what adds value to a trading card is the same language that is used to talk about what makes a piece of art valuable. So I think that, you know, it, it's in my mind now, right? It's like a no brainer of the, the connection between the two, but absolutely that came up. Right on. All right, guys. Well, listen, this has been really enlightening. I want to thank you for sharing your experiences at Art Basel at the Miami Art Week. I think you mentioned a couple of times that it's called and, uh, it, you know, Collectible Live, I think this is episode 56 or something like that. I Actually, it's right in front of me. 55. This is one of the longest relationships I've ever had. Yeah, <laughs> you and me, buddy. You and me. Yeah. But uh, it's nice to have you guys here as part of the Collectible team on Collectible Live. So I want to thank you for that. A reminder to everybody that on Sunday on Collectible Live will be Bob Means from eBay. So he'll be with us and sharing the eBay side of all these sort of discussions that we've had here today. So I want to thank you both. Uh, final words to you, Sarah, and then Dave, and then we're going to end this. Thank you for having us. It's been great. Um, it's just, you know, after coming off of last week, I think that now that we're decompressing, it's just been so great, but it's nice to like talk about it and relive all of it and have the, the discussions about what came out of it. It's great.
Right on, Thank Dave. You, Thank you, Sarah. Final to you, Dave. I, I, I echo Sarah's sentiments and want to let you know that I did exhibit a, uh, a hockey card and I will I will share it with you privately after this. <laughs> so hockey, hockey was represented during Twice. Art Week. Twice. Good to hear. Good to hear. I want to thank you, Game Time Gallery, for the comment. Appreciate that. Same to you, Jeremy, at Collectors League. You two stand, uh, stand by right there for a moment. Everybody else, have a great rest of the week and weekend ahead. Thanks for joining us. This episode is over. Bye, guys. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.